What's happening, everybody? On today's show, a quick preview of the SEC guys in the Senior Bowl, and we'll talk all things ahead of spring SEC ball with uh, J.D. Piquel of On3 Sports. Locked on SEC starts right now. You are locked on SEC, your daily podcast on the Southeastern Conference, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. And what's happening, everybody? Welcome into Locked On SEC. Great to have you guys along. Thank you so much for making us your first listen every day. We're free and available wherever you get your podcasts and on YouTube, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, covering your team every day. And I want to remind you, today's episode brought to you by FanDuel. Make every moment more. New customers, join today and you'll get $200 in bonus bets if your first bet of $5 or more wins. Visit FanDuel.com slash on today to get started. All right, we dive into it as Senior Bowl is about to get underway, and uh, we'll be out there catching some interviews with some of the guys out there, and a lot of former SEC stars uh, going to be in attendance. And, of course, this is where a lot of guys make their money. Always think about Dak Prescott out of Mississippi State and, you know, having the great week that he did and becoming a riser like he was. Uh, you have other guys who attend and, you know, are injured, can't do whatever, you know, for certain reasons or whatever. But remember, Hendon Hooker from Tennessee went last year, just did interviews and talked to a lot of scouts and impressed the Detroit Lions and was able to get drafted by them. So it's a big, big week. So we'll be there in attendance and uh, hopefully catching up with some of these guys and getting some interviews. But just to kind of uh, catch you guys up to speed of guys who have accepted the invites and expected to be in action this week at the Senior Bowl on the offensive side. And by the way, many of the SEC guys, majority of them, are playing on the American side. The uh, the national team will have a couple of Florida Gators, like Ricky Parasol and uh, Kingsley Aguakin. But uh, on the American team, on the O-line, you'll have Jeremy Flax from Kentucky, Javon Foster from Mizzou. American wide receivers, you'll have uh, Xavier Leggett from South Carolina, and then uh, Lad McConkey and Marcus Rosemey Jack Saint from Georgia. Your American running backs, three big ones. Ray Davis from Kentucky, Cody Schrader from Mizzou, and Jalen Wright from Tennessee. All three of those guys were basically you know, top five in rushing in the SEC for much of the year. And then at quarterback, you're going to have Joe Milton from Tennessee and Spencer Rattler from South Carolina. And there's been a lot written this week about Spencer Rattler and how he can really improve his, uh, his draft stock by uh, looking really good this week. And for that matter, too, Joe Milton as well. He had a pretty good year at Tennessee, wasn't great. But um, nonetheless, those will be your um, you know, American offensive guys. And then on the defensive side for the American uh, defensive line, you'll have Jaden Crumbity from Mississippi State, Justin Aboigby from Alabama, uh, Marcus Harris from Auburn, McKinley Jackson from A&M. Uh, then at linebacker, you'll have Tyron Hopper from Mizzou, Trevin Wallace from Kentucky, and of course Nathaniel Bookie Watson from Mississippi State, just tackling machine in the SEC. And then in the secondary, You'll have Chris Abrams Drain from Mizzou, Andrew Phillips from Kentucky, and two of the really good DBs, Nehemiah Pritchett and DJ James from Auburn, all in the mix as well. Will Reichert from Alabama, uh, kicker, he will also be represented. So, again, it's a fun week for the Senior Bowl. A lot of former stars from the SEC that um, you know really showed up and showed out this past year and in their careers, all getting a chance to impress in front of tons of NFL scouts. For those who... I've never been down to Mobile for the Senior Bowl. Jim Nagy does a great job of bringing in some of the biggest names from across the the NFL and college landscape. And then, 
you know, every team was represented from scouts. And it's just, again, it's always very heavily SEC represented. And go look at, you know, look at the Super Bowl matchup. Go look up and down those rosters, how many SEC guys you had on, on postseason teams this year in the playoffs. SEC talent galore. So, uh, nonetheless, going to be a lot of fun to be down there in Mobile. Again, like I said, we'll get a lot of these guys uh, on with us, catch some interviews. We had some great ones last year. For those of you guys who listened and caught it on YouTube, we had some good conversations with Hendon Hooker we sat down with. And, uh, you know, a lot of guys who went on to, to become, um, you know, big-time players this year in, in the NFL. You know, a guy from Houston we talked with last year, Tank Dell, ends up being a mid-round pick by the Texans. And, was an outstanding rookie wide receiver in the NFL. So always kind of fun to catch up. We'll have a lot of our Locked On guys down there as well. And uh, like I said, watch throughout this week as we'll have some interviews with some of the guys out there at the Senior Bowl. But, um, again, going to be a lot of fun. And kind of just take a little step aside from, you know, looking ahead to the 2024 SEC season. Just kind of looking back and appreciating a lot of these guys that did a lot in the conference this past year, like we talked about. Joe Milton and Spencer Rattler having – you know, nice uh, nice seasons. Rattler, of course, capping off two years there at South Carolina after transferring in from Oklahoma. Joe Melton, you know, coming in from Michigan and just kind of had to sit on the bench and wait his time sitting behind Hendon Hooker for a couple of years and finally getting his chance to show what he could do this year. But like I said, I love the running backs. The story of Cody Schrader at Missouri becoming the leading rusher in the SEC this year, you know, after coming from a lower level, what, Division II school. And awesome story from him. You know, Jalen Wright and, and uh, you know, even Ray Davis was the top five SEC rusher at Vanderbilt, goes over to Kentucky and ends up doing the same thing there. So just some great stories of some great careers. Xavier Leggett at, at um, South Carolina, you know, he gets a chance with, with Juice Wells kind of sidelined for much of this year at South Carolina and became a stud, one of the best wide receivers in the SEC this year. So going to be a lot of fun to see what uh, – See what all these guys do this week. Who stands out the most and which SEC guy makes the biggest name for himself in front of the NFL crowd. So, like I said, keep it locked to, locked on SEC throughout this week. We'll catch up with a lot of these guys and have those interviews with you uh, for you right here on Locked on SEC. All right, but before we get to that, later in the week, we are going to switch gears and talk a little bit about the current SEC with our buddy uh, J.D. Piquel of On3 Sports. We're going to preview some of the biggest questions for some SEC teams heading into the spring. We'll also get his thoughts. And look, we've just been doing it with everybody, and we're going to keep doing it throughout this offseason. Where were you when you found out the Nick Saban news that he was stepping aside and retiring? So we'll hit on that with J.D. and much, much more. That is coming your way next right here on Locked on SEC. But first, I want to remind you guys, this episode is presented to you by our friends over at FanDuel. And no better time to get in on the action with FanDuel right now because, look, we get it. It is uh, the big game, Super Bowl, coming. And happy Super Bowl to all who celebrate from our friends at FanDuel. They are America's number one sports book. And if you're like me, Super Bowl Sunday is all about scoring the best seat on the couch, grabbing your favorite football snacks, and placing some super bets. And, of course, you can get all of it right there at FanDuel. They got the lines, the spread, the over-under. You can even bet on the coin toss. They got it all up there for you. It is FanDuel. They have so many different ways for you to end the season with a W or two or three. Not only can you bet on who will win the Super Bowl, but like we said, which player will score the first touchdown, how many points will be scored, over, under, all of it is up there for you at FanDuel. And a reminder, new customers, you join today, you get $200 in bonus bets. If your first bet of $5 or more wins, go visit FanDuel.com slash locked on to sign up. That's FanDuel.com slash locked on. Make every moment more with FanDuel. They are the official 
sportsbook partner of the NFL. And check out the app too, FanDuel. Run along here, locked on SEC, and look, we're getting ever so closer to the start of spring ball. We already got football players back on campus, they're back on class, hitting the weight room, and before we know it, they're going to be out there on the practice fields getting ready for their spring games. We've already had a couple schools announce their uh, dates for spring games. They already got A&M and Florida, Auburn, so uh means we're getting ever so closer to uh, the start and the prep of another football season, and nobody better to join us to talk all about it is our buddy J.D. Piquel of the uh, On3 Sports, of course, hosts the hard count over there at On3, does a fantastic job covering the entire landscape of college football. J.D., welcome in, man. Good to have you on. Chris, appreciate you having me on, man. Yeah, that's, uh, that's just wild even hearing you say that we're getting close to spring ball because we ended the season, and then Nick Saban retired, so it felt like the season was, was back on with all the coaching moves and the portal moves. And now we're looking up, and it's like, hey, spring ball's actually not that far away. So uh, all, all, all the vibes are high, it sounds like, with college football being year-round, but appreciate having me on. Look, everybody could complain about, you know, the, the transfer portal and NIL and all this stuff, but, man, it has made college football basically a 365-day uh, sport. I mean, it was already that way in the SEC. We're passionate enough, but this time of year was kind of like the slow time where things slowed down. But you're right. You hit on the, the big headline, Nick Saban retiring. I guess take me back a couple of weeks when you hear the news. What was your initial reaction? And, uh, you know, it, it, for a legend like that to step away just so abruptly, um, man, just the repercussions across the college football world, it's crazy. No, no, exactly right, man. I think it, it truly was like a where were you when kind of moment. Like, I think everybody will look back in several years and tell the story of, oh, I was in line at a coffee shop or I was <laughs> driving home from work or I was doing X, Y, and Z. And so, for me, I was coming back from the coaches' convention that was up here in Nashville. And it was kind of like the last day. I think they were doing, like, head coaches' meetings. So, I was just trying to, like, poke my head in there and see what was going on. But I think my initial reaction was, not overwhelming shock. It was just one of those things that you knew was eventually going to happen. You just didn't realize it was going to be today, if that makes sense. Like seeing the, you know, seeing the, the tweet pop up on your phone, you know, if you're subscribed to the like on three Twitter account, they tweeted it out, PCM tweeted it out. Um, and seeing that you, you at first you want to like double check and like, is this, is this real? Okay. That's like the Nick Saban. <laughs> and then, uh, but once the dust kind of settled, I think my, my biggest takeaway, um, was, all right, this is just someone who's, you know, going out on his own terms. You know, I mean, he's over 70 years old, and he arguably just had his best coaching job ever, taking that team from losing a double digits at home week two to an SEC championship and making, you know, a run at a national title, being a play away from forcing a second overtime. So all that to say, I don't think I had any feeling of, like, oh, he's lost his fastball, it's about time for him to go. It was like, you know, this is, this is the GOAT saying I've, I've had a great career. I'm walking away. It's time for me to, you know, focus on some other things. And I thought the Reese Davis interview was really telling with him just saying, I couldn't do it the way I wanted to do it anymore. Like I was more tired during the season. I couldn't, I couldn't perform at the level that I wanted to perform. Now, uh, Nick Saban's level of performance that he expects versus what the average Joe expects, I'm sure is a pretty good degree of, of variance in between those. But um, all in all, just put a, put a bow on it. You know, the GOAT saying it was time and going out on, on his own time. It's always difficult to be the guy who who follows the guy, and obviously they they 
you know, the, the search was pretty expedited. I mean, within 72 hours, they found their next guy. But uh, from all the names that were thrown out there, you know, I, I thought Sark would have been fantastic, but obviously he's got a good thing going at Texas. I thought Mike Norvell, with all the complaining about we went undefeated in the, S- in the ACC with Florida State and we couldn't make it, I thought, oh, he'd be perfect. Dan Lanning was a guy that obviously had SEC ties and coached it at Georgia and Alabama. So, you know, of all the names that were thrown out there, maybe Kalen DeBoer wasn't at the top of my list, but – what do you make of the Kalen DeBoer hire? To me, it's I'm kind of in wait-and-see mode. I know there's been a lot of national people say, oh, this is a home-run hire, but I, I ask, what is a home-run hire? I mean, it's, it's the expectation, hey, he might win a championship in the next five years. That's great for anywhere else not called Alabama. At Alabama, their expectation is championship sure. every, every season. So would you make of the Kalen DeBoer hire, and was there somebody else maybe at the top of your list that you thought would be a good fit there? Yeah, Chris, I'll say this. Uh, we got a lot of I'm staying hype videos from a lot of different schools before we got Kalen DeBoer's announcement. So that kind of just leads me to feel like, all right, maybe Bama took a swing at Mike Norvell, at Steve Sarkeesian, at Dan Lanning. I don't know that to be 100% the case or not. I have to imagine it would be about practice to, to you know, not at least give those guys a call. Um, so I don't know where Kalen DeBoer was on the list. I don't think he was at the bottom by any stretch. I don't think he was number one. Um, I think for me, I'm like, okay, the guy's 104 and 12 as a head coach. Like, as a head coach, I have zero reservations. Now, to win at Alabama, something you just hit on, to win at the level they expect, uh, it takes a lot more than just being a great head coach. And Alabama was so successful over the course of the last 17 seasons, yes, because you got the greatest of all time running the show for you. But on top of that, the way they recruited, I mean, was second to none. Like, that, that current roster in Tuscaloosa, even with all the portal moves, still stocked with nothing but top two classes. And so – to compete at that level in the SEC for to take that kind of, you know, recruiting prowess, I wonder if Kalen DeBoer is going to be able to do that. And I understand they just had a huge commitment the other day with Landon Ryan Williams. Like, that was massive, obviously, keeping him in the state and getting him to recommit. But I uh, I, I struggle to believe that he's going to consistently out-recruit Steve Sarkeesian, Kirby Smart. Heck, Brian Kelly at LSU are recruiting at a top-10 level now. So I think with that margin for error – shrinking in the SEC and the ties he doesn't have in the Southeastern Conference. Again, no reservations as a head coach. I'm just curious how long it's going to take for him to get an equal roster over the course of the next couple of years uh, to beat those guys and ultimately achieve what they expect, which is SEC titles. Yeah, I have a friend who um, is close to a recruit who was considering Alabama, and what I heard from him, at least what he told me, is that he said, a lot of players are kind of in wait-and-see mode. Like, they want to see what the football looks like first, and then they'll go from there and kind of, you know, okay, if Kalen DeBoer hits the ground running and his offense looks awesome, then, yeah, look, he's going to recruit. They're going to get a ton of recruits, and they're going to say, look, Alabama's not having any kind of, um, you know, fallback. But, of course, we got to see it to believe it, and, look, we're, we're going to find out very soon. I know you put out your uh, – a couple days ago, you kind of did your, your top 12 on, on where teams stand right now, and you had Alabama at seven, and it was kind of funny. It took me back. I'm like, wow, it's just weird to see that reality punch, that gut punch <laughs> sure. of Alabama yeah. not in the top five. But I think that's kind of where we are right now. But you also have George up there, number one. And it's funny, all this talk of Alabama in recent weeks, we tend to forget – Kirby Smart's what something like forty-two and two in the last three seasons. Like, it, sure, it really yeah. sets up for Georgia to, to go on a run again here. Yeah, and I mean, with what they did through the portal, and then bringing Carson Beck back, and then just what you said, like that final boss level of you got to go through Saban to win in Atlanta to win the whole thing. You know, like that's no longer necessarily the, the, the same case. Now you add Steve Sarkeesian to the mix, 
Uh, I'm sure Brian Kelly at LSU will be a force. You know, who knows what Oklahoma brings to the table? Like the SEC will still be the SEC. Ole Miss is going to be a, a massive factor, I think, this coming season. Um, but I think that all that to say, with as much opportunity as they have, I think the pressure on Georgia now uh, is as, as high as it's ever been in Athens. You know, coming off of two national championships and then missing a, a shot to the college football playoff by three points this past off or this, this past season. Um, a lot of pressure in Athens, and then I, I think they feed off of that. I, I think they enjoy that, but at the same time, you know, teams react to pressure on a year-to-year basis in different ways. So I'm really curious to see how they respond to that, and I'm curious to see how a Saban-less SEC uh, impacts Georgia. Are they just kind of the next dynasty that we're going to get here and, and they win three and four years, or is it a thing where, okay, you know, we, with uh, the more wide path of the college football playoff with getting 12 teams in there, you get Ole Miss in there. Maybe you do get LSU in there. You know, so that's that's going to be really, really fascinating because it used to be a two-game season once you win your conference. Now it's going to be a handful of games, and, and you got to make sure you match up with the right team. And so uh, it's going to be it's going to be wild. But I, I do think Georgia, with what they have on that roster, with Kirby Smart being in charge, I have a hard time putting anybody else ahead of them right now. Uh, more with J.D. Piquel here in just a second. But I want to remind you guys, look, I know we come to sports to escape from some of the crazy realities of real life, but – can we talk for a minute about preparing for real life? According to the FDA, pharmacies are running out of antibiotics like amoxicillin uh, right in the middle of one of the worst flu seasons in over a decade. It can be scary. Can't imagine a more helpless feeling than if uh, your significant other or one of your kids gets sick while a supply chain issue keeps them from life-saving medication that they need. Thankfully, you're going to be okay because of Jace Medical. The Jace case is a pack of five different antibiotics to treat a long list of bacterial illnesses, including UTIs, respiratory infections, uh, sinusitis, skin infections, a ton of other stuff. Uh, it could happen to any of you. Go visit jacemedical.com. Uh, jacemedical.com. Complete your physician encounter. It'll be reviewed by a board-certified physician, and your medications will be dispensed by a licensed pharmacy at a fraction of the regular cost. It has never been more important to be prepared than today. Again, go to jacemedical.com. That's J-A-S-E if you need the correct spelling. And use our offer code Locked On. That's L-O-C-K-E-D-O-N. It's going to get you $20 off your order. It's jacemedical.com. Use code Locked On to get $20 off your order. Continue our conversation with J.D. Piquel of On3 Sports to kind of talk a little bit about uh, in the start of the offseason as we look ahead to the spring. And, J.D., obviously we cover the SEC here. Um, you know, we talked a little bit about Georgia and, and Alabama. But in your mind, what's the biggest question mark uh, for some of these other teams going into the spring? I mean, when you look at Ole Miss, that is obviously a preseason top-10 team. Everything, they answered so many questions through the portal, but – they lose one of their best players in Quinshawn Judkins. To me, it's like yeah. Ole Miss has got everything figured out, but now it becomes who's going to be that running back. We know Logan Diggs transferred from LSU is a little bit banged up. They got some decent guys on the roster, but it's like they got everything except that one thing. If Quinshawn just would have come back, man, I, I'd be all aboard the Ole Miss bandwagon. Which is crazy because you, you heard, and I don't know what's true or not true, but you, you got the vibe of, hey, is this NIL-fueled? Why is the top player who's getting a ton of playing time jumping into the portal? Um, and it's funny because if there's someone who knows the market value of the portal, I was talking with a coworker about this, like, it's Lane Kiffin. Like, if, Lane, you know, if there's someone who knows the value of running backs in the transfer portal when it comes to NIL, it's Lane Kiffin. So no idea what that conversation did or didn't entail with him jumping in the portal. But, no, I think you're exactly right. Like, outside of that running back room, and I think Logan Diggs will kind of be a plug-and-play guy. Maybe he's not Quinn John Judkins, but still good production. 
I mean, they are they're, they're going all in on 2024. I, I love what they did on the defensive line. Landon Walter Nolan, Landon Prince William and Mielin, two top ten players for us in the portal here at on three. Um, I feel like they have done a lot to meet the price of admission to win the SEC, which is as long as Lane Kiffin's running the show, you feel pretty confident they're going to be in that 30 points a game range. You know, the offense is going to be just fine as long as he's drawn it up. Uh, but to have the big boys up front to compete with the Georgias, the Alabamas historically, the LSUs, like the way they've kind of leveled up there, uh, that's going to be dangerous. I mean, Lane Kiffin has had two top or two 10 win seasons the last couple of or the last three years. Um, for all the the Twitter jokes he gets and all the commentary on Lane Kiffin that Lane Kiffin provides, uh, he goes to football and he can assemble a good roster. So I'm excited to see what they do. Uh, in terms of question marks across the SEC, I think Missouri is fascinating. Um, they got one of my favorite players in the country coming back playing quarterback and let Brady Cook. Uh, I'm excited to watch him go at it another year, lose the burden. So the roster is in great shape. Um, last season, as, as storybook as it was, they had four games they won by one score. And so I'm curious if they're able to kind of recapture that magic. Do they level up from last season and they aren't even having that many one score games? Um, and they were also, I mean, they had a tremendous amount of momentum into the second half of the last season. Like I think they finished the year five and one. Um, with that one loss being to Georgia, and they even gave Georgia a run for their money. So the, the fact they were so hot and had so many one-score games go their way, is that something you can recreate from season to season with losing, with losing Cody Schrader? I don't know. But I will say, if we started the 12-team playoff last year, I don't think anybody wanted to play Missouri in that first round. I truly believe that. Yeah, it's funny you mentioned where you were when the Saban news came out. We, we were at the Bear Bryant Awards in the middle of interviewing Eli Drinkwitz when the news came out. And uh, you know, it's funny, I, I was looking on the schedule and, oh yeah, Mizzou goes to Tuscaloosa in late October. I'm sure that, you know, that, that game maybe got a little bit easier. Not to say Kalen DeBoer can't do a good job, but like with Saban retired, yeah, I think Eli kind of smiled a little bit when he, when he heard that news. And certainly, like you said, to win double-digit games at Mizzou, can he take that next step forward again this year? And, you know, 10-2 and two this year has kind of become the mantra you go 10 and 2 you're probably in the 12 team playoff this year no matter who you are in the SEC so going to be really fascinating to see what what drink does there at Mizzou and obviously Luther Burden I mean my gosh I've already seen some of those way too early preseason lists and he's like the number one wide receiver on there so going to be fascinating let me ask you about some of the coaches on the hot seat when we talk about you know obviously Billy Napier at Florida I think that's uh, a no-duh. Uh, look at Sam Pittman at Arkansas. But I also think Shane Beamer at South Carolina taking a step back last year, not making a bowl game. Of all three of those guys, like which one, which situation kind of intrigues you most? Yeah, I think the Florida one probably does intrigue me the most just because it does feel like a, like a no-duh. But then I, I look back at his time at Florida, like this past year, their over-under win total was five and a half. And so they, they went five and seven. Had a couple of really close losses, found a way to lose the Arkansas game, found a way to lose the Missouri game. Um, and so if they went 7-5 and five and those two one-score games bounced the other way, you know, woulda, shoulda, coulda. But are we talking about Billy Napier differently? Are we talking about a 7-5 and five a year being overachieving for Florida in, in, in their past season? So I think just the whole standard that he inherited going to a place like Florida, he knew what he signed up for. But at the same time, I don't know that that situation that he got from a roster standpoint was ready-made for success. Um, I think the progress Graham Burtz has had has been tremendous. I think Eugene Wilson having an incredible true freshman season is a tremendous sign. So um, I'm very, very intrigued by that whole situation, how they'll treat it going forward. I got people jumping into our live chat during our show saying he gets three games and then he's fired. He doesn't do well there. And I'm like, wait, hang on, hang on. Like three games? That's all, that's all we're giving the guy. we got to give him a little bit longer than that. And his, 
Hunger Games style SEC kind of season where there's no divisions and Florida finishes with like a ridiculous four game stretch. Um, so all that to say, I just I'm very curious how to assess him because I do think you have to assess him on a little bit of a curve. Uh, a quick thought on the two teams coming to the SEC. It's so fascinating. Um, you know, I was talking with some folks at Austin the other day, and it's so weird. Football has already turned the page. They're in at the SEC, like mentally. They're already they're recruiting for the SEC. They're preparing for spring ball for the SEC. They're in the midst of a basketball season where they're still playing in the Big Twelve. Baseball and softball are about to start up, and they're still in the Big Twelve. So it's like it's weird. Like half the campuses in the SEC, half is still in the Big Twelve. But that said, like man, two big time power programs, whereas I guess in the last decade you could argue Oklahoma's been way far ahead of Texas, but here we are, both teams coming in, and it feels like Texas, obviously just making the playoff with Sark, feels like they're well ahead of the curve. What do you make of those two programs and how they're going to do first year in the SEC? Yeah, hey, it just means war, right? That's fun that they're already getting <laughs> uh, getting the SEC vibes going on on the 40 acres. Um, I think what you said was exactly how I feel. Texas is probably a year ahead. Now, that whole that whole year ahead, you know, thought could kind of reset here depending on what uh, what happens this upcoming year with how Jackson Arnold translates. Because Quinn Ewers will be there for one more year. Feels like they kind of have this this one-year window with him coming back to kind of set the tone in the SEC and build off what they did last year. Um, but, I mean, what it comes down to for me between those two teams, someone asked us yesterday, you know, is it going to be Brent Venables or Steve Sarkeesian win a national championship? And while that's a huge question, uh, my thought process goes to, okay, well, who hits on a quarterback first? You know, yeah. is Jackson Arnold all of that he is, you know, uh, advertised as and is Arch Manning all that he's advertised as? You know, that, that's a, a lofty statement to make about a guy with the last name Manning, but I, I really think it's true. If you have a quarterback, you have a chance. And um, Jackson Arnold, as much as his showing in the Alamo Bowl was a little bit disheartening for, uh, for an Oklahoma fan, I, I kind of left that game saying, okay, I see a lot of the tools. I see a lot of the things that made him a five-star cat out of high school. Uh, and for Arch Manning, there's just this great mystery of what does he bring to the table. So uh, I will say this, kind of going back to the thought around what year one presents both teams, um, I think both need to avoid the reputation coming out into the 2024 season of being like that second-tier SEC team, kind of avoid that eight and four year, or heck, either nine and three year, depending on how that looks to the to the losses that they gather, which, which teams those losses are to. Um, that could just kind of set a weird optical – vision for, for recruits and, and how they're going to be viewed in the future in the SEC. Not that that's reality, but just, I mean, you know this as well as anybody, Chris, you got to recruit to be able to be in that top tier of the conference. And so um, both have done that to this point, uh, but being compared to other schools like the Bamas, the Georgias, the LSUs, and, and everything that the, the SEC offers, um, I think year one is going to be crucial to kind of show what they are uh, in their new conference and what recruits are going to sign up for. He is J.D. Pakel, of course, a host of the Hard Count over there at On3 Sports. Does an awesome job with all the, the daily college football videos out there. And uh, I got to ask, J.D., your, your setup looks awesome at On3 Sports. Is that at your house? Because the way you turn around, like, I see a story that says breaking news, and within minutes you've got a video up reacting to it. I'm like, okay, there's no way, like, J.D. drove to a studio. That's got to be all at his house. <laughs> I, I wish that was at my at my two-bedroom apartment. That would be phenomenal. Um, <laughs> we have a great team here that does a really good job of kind of getting us prepped of if something, something is going to break or if something might break. So there's a fair amount of videos that never see the light of day that uh, were scenarios that if they were to break, you know, we, we also had a Caleb Downs video for if you get into Georgia, and obviously <laughs> that one never, that one never got, got out into the Internet. But, uh, no, I appreciate you saying that. We have, we have a great team of people that do an awesome job. And so I'm 
happy happy to be a part of it. I'm a, I'm a system system broadcaster. I love it. That's a little peek behind the curtain there. J.D. Uh, Pakel, of course, you can follow him on Twitter, at J.D. Pakel. Does a fantastic job over there at On3 Sports. And, uh, J.D., appreciate the time, man, and uh, we'll catch up again soon, all right? Appreciate you, man. Thanks again. All right, that's J.D. Pakel there of uh, On3 Sports. Does a uh, fantastic job, and uh, appreciate him joining us. Uh, that's going to do it for this edition of Locked on SEC. Thank you guys so much for making us your first listen every day. Come on back tomorrow and check us out. Shout out to our everydayers who keep coming back and uh, seeing us. We will talk to you guys tomorrow. Uh, thank you for making us your first listen every day. Now you can go make your second listen. Check out the Locked On Sports Today uh, YouTube page, streaming 24-7. They got all our great shows across all the sports, covering all the big national stories as well. Locked On Sports Today on YouTube. I'm Chris Gordy. This has been Locked On SEC. Everybody have a great day.